Thanks for tuning in to listen to this week's Torah study class. Stay tuned after the Torah study for details on how to stay in touch with this ministry and keep up with all of our content. I hope you enjoy the study. Shalom, everybody. We're back. We're in Shemot chapter. We decided to pick up in Shemot chapter 33, verse 11-ish. We had before uh, we started a question about the Asherim. So I'm going to summarize this as best I can. This is a fertility cycle of worship. Um, In the spring, there would be people coming to priests and priestesses and having conjugal relationships with them. Babies would be conceived. And in the winter, at the winter solstice, the babies conceived would be born. Some of them would be uh, offered back uh, at the base of trees, uh, sacrificed, burnt in fire. There's different variations of it. All of these Trinitarian systems sort of favored one another. They all borrowed from each other, but they would offer the babies back and they would dye the eggs in the blood in the springtime to start the cycle all over again. That come out clear? Yeah, we're in 34. Mm-hmm. We're in 33. No, this is 34. You're talking oh, this is 34, yeah. Okay. Yeah, sorry about that. Any questions yeah, about that? So, so Asherah is the root, the same word as Ishtar, which is the same word as Esther, which is the same word as Easter. All right. So the idea of Easter is actually rooted in the fertility rites of ancient paganism. That's why the egg is a fertility symbol. The rabbit is a fertility symbol. So all of those symbols are fertility. They hearken back to fertility rites of the ancient pagans. Um, The Christmas tree is a fertility symbol as well. And I'm not going to get graphic about it. You just have to look it up yourself, but it's pretty bad uh, what the symbolism is on a Christmas tree. So I'm, I'm not disparaging anyone who keeps that holiday. We don't. Um, and even before I became messianic, I gave it up because I looked at the history. I'm a person that looks into the origins of things. I like to know where things come from. I'm a historian. Uh, by nature and by degree, <laughs> um, I just tend to look at the source of things. And when I found out what was the origin of those two holidays, Christmas and Easter, I stopped doing them. Even before, I wasn't even keeping the Sabbath at the time. It just, I, my conscience would not let me keep them. And it was because of what I learned that they meant. And so God here is telling them to tear those things down. Uh, they had altars and pillars and monuments and trees where they worshiped and carried out those fertility rites. Yes, Elizabeth? It's, it's about, it's a question is related to the same God. So Asherah, um, as a God of fertility, is connected with the Christmas tree in what way? Because the because the babies that were conceived in the spring were offered under trees in the in the winter. Oh, I see. Yeah, it was a it was a cult of child sacrifice. 
Mm-hmm. All right. And, and it's interesting to me and I'm not, I, I'm, I, you know, I don't want to step on anybody's sensibilities, but I just find it interesting that in the Catholic churches at mass at Christmas time, they actually hold up a baby, an infant Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I've seen them, I've watched papal and Catholic midnight masses, which are done at Christmas. And I've seen the priest go to a Christmas tree and pick up a baby and hold up Jesus and do communion under the, under the idea of a baby on that night. And I just find that too close to what we're talking about here. So, um, um, so there is some, a connection between what Christianity has done starting in about 325 AD um, and what most ancient societies did in their pagan worship. The, the similarities are too, they were too close for me 30 some odd years ago to, to where my conscience wouldn't allow me to do them. And I, I was breaking family, family members' heart because I, I just, I couldn't do it. Okay. Um, some people might think I'm a little extreme, but I want to do the will of God. All right. And God says in many places, don't pick up their behaviors. Don't mix my faith with their faith. Don't do unto their gods like they do unto their gods. Um, so, uh, but in a nutshell, that's sort of a history of Asherah. You'd have to, you'd have to look into it if you wanted to. I would suggest being careful. Uh, there is a lot of misinformation out there. Um, if you get it, if you get information off of Wikipedia, mind the bibliography because Wikipedia is just opinion. Um, but the bibliography contains typically historical sources that you can look at. Um, so, and find out if the Wikipedia article is in fact accurate in any way. Um, I find a lot of them to be somewhat accurate. Some of them are very well written. Um, but the bibliography always contains the primary or, or the sources that can point to primary sources. So, um, but it, it's abundantly clear to me that they are pagan rites that have been mixed into um, later forms of Christianity. Yeah, and I, and it's sad that the 24th of December, 1.4 billion Christians, I mean Catholics, are doing that, what you say. Yeah. And I was part of this. Yeah. I was part yeah. of this. Yeah, well... Um, you were raised in it probably, and you didn't, you know, you you didn't walk into it, you know, knowingly. You were raised in it, um, and it, and if I'm remembering right, God opened your eyes to some things, and and you started coming out of it. So, um, so, but that is what Asherah is. Um, gets translated as Easter. Um, Mithras is the, is the husband, no, it, Mithras is the son of that Trinity and, um, Saturn, I believe is the husband of that Trinity. Um, they call it in Rome, Saturnalia. Um, so that's the Roman version of it and they all get mixed around. And I, you know, like I said, it's been 30 years since I studied it, but they all get, you know, 
Egypt has their name for the same thing. Iran has their name for the same thing. Greek has their name for the, all the same deities. They all shared the same ideas about it. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the Germanic tribes had their version of it. And, and, and uh, Germany is where the, 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 the Catholics actually brought in the tree version of it. Uh, was from Germany. Um, they said you like the every, you like sacrificing babies under trees, pick, bringing trees into your house and decorating your trees. Just pull this one in, and he picked an evergreen. That's the legend. I personally don't believe that that's very accurate. I think that's Catholic legend and not actual truth. Um, but. Um, the Germanic tribes, the point is the Germanic tribes had their same, the same deities, just different names. Any other thoughts about that? You shall bow down to no other gods, for Yahweh, whose name is Jealous, is El Kana, and that means Jealous God. Can I ask you a question? Sure. For your why, whose name? Name mean character? Is that more or less what is alluding to the character of God? Is jealous like, and not jealous like we know jealous, but it's speaking about his character, his his way. Yes, but I mean. People are allowed more than one name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. God is called by multiple names. I'm called by multiple names. You might say it's a title. Yeah. Uh, it is descriptive of his character yet. And that is more important, but it's not, it wouldn't be improper to call him Elkanah in certain contexts. Does Elkanah mean jealous it means jealous god okay kana means jealous okay you know uh and i hear you i do i do i do i do it's just sometimes i, I sometimes i can get very um precise when it comes to like speaking to him and it, you know i guess Anybody could say they, they could be to be or, or who is who is to be, who is to come. Anybody could say that, but then anybody could say Kana, that their name is Kana and call themselves a God. So I guess um, sometimes I'm a little anal when it comes to just saying his name, you know, the name, you know, but, but I, I, right. I guess. Well, he, he has a name by which we are to address him and, and call him, yes. But what, what he's pointing out here is, you know, you can call me jealous. Mm -hmm. All right. Count me jealous mm -hmm. when you, and the point is, is when you participate in worshiping other deities and you bow down and worship them, you're going to incite jealousy in me. And remember in the, in the, in the biblical idea of jealousy, when a, when a husband was jealous, he was excused of murder. When he thought that his wife committed adultery and he got a spirit of jealousy about him, 
And if she did commit adultery and he got a spirit of jealousy about him, then if he killed the person who slept with his wife, he was excused. Is that like crime of passion? Like today? Well, yeah, yeah because it's justified. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's that's the idea here is God told Israel he he has espoused them. And so so when they cheat on him, that's how angry he gets. And that's the point that he's trying. That's the overarching theme of why he's calling himself El Kana is because you're committing adultery with other deities. And then you want to you want to worship me at the same time that that's the ultimate betrayal. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. that's why he's naming himself Elkanah here. It's a betrayal of a huge sword. Yeah. So yeah. it actually, it's the same word, right? Ki iawa kana. Shemo el kana. It's the same word. Kana. He just repeats it. Whose name is kana is God jealous. Is that right? Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Yeah, he, he's uh, he's asking for us completely loyalty. Absolutely. Faithfulness. Faithfulness and purity. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Notice that that resh is suspended. <laughs> you shall not bow down in worship. That's what tishtachave means. You shall not bow down in worship. And that doesn't necessarily mean physical bowing, although that's what the word implies, is physical bowing. But submitting. To a later God. A later God, a God who came after God, because there are deities out there. There are powerful spirit beings out there that God created, and Mm -hmm. they rebelled against God. Mm -hmm. And so when a person has the idea to make a statue, they didn't invent that idea themselves. A spirit convinced them of it. They had some kind of experience, had some kind of idea about a deity manifesting to them in some way. And if, and if it did in any way, then that's, that's demonic activity. And so they build an idol to it, give it a name, and they worship it. And God is saying, ki yawakana, ki yawakana. So you could put a comma there. Yahweh is jealous. His name is Elkanah. Mm-hmm. All right. Wow. All right. So, yeah, I think the most, I, I don't think it's important to get bogged down in the name so much as it is the concept of what he's trying to communicate. Right. Okay. He cares. He cares very much about how we worship him. It matters how we worship him. Absolutely. Yeah. And him him only. Yes. And so, so much that, you know, three or 400 years from when this was given, when this command was given, Gideon had to go and kick over. And I think we already looked at this. Gideon had to go and kick over the Asherah tree of his own father. Remember that? Didn't we look at that? 
Hello. Yeah. I'm not sure what it was. Was it, was it a grove of, of baleen? No, it was an ash no, tree. Just one? Okay. It may have been, but, it, you know, the point being is it was this specific deity that his father was worshiping, and God told him, go knock it over. All right. Well, I think there was one where he said, well, you know, go tell your God to put him back up if that concerns you. I don't know if that was the one. Uh, yeah, is I can't that, that it, it, yeah. story. It may be, but, but uh, that's how, you know, that's how quick Israel turned to these deities and did not do what God told them to do. When you get to the Canaan, go knock over their idols. They didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Destroy them, man, woman, and child, and knock over all their idols and altars and, and, and everything. Knock it all over and destroy them. They didn't do it. And so when you do that, you leave yourself susceptible to very powerful spiritual forces. And that's what Israel didn't recognize. So much so that just like people today who think they're worshiping God, God knows my heart. Yes, God really does know your heart and how willing to turn away from his truth people are. You know, um, so Israel did the same thing. They deceived themselves and convinced themselves that even though they were bowing down to Baal and Asherah and Molech and all of these deities, that God still loved them. He was, he understands my heart. I'm worshiping him. He's the God that he created these gods. You know, they just justified it in their minds, just like most people today do. Most things that they do that go against the word of God, they justify it somehow. All right. So God is telling them, get rid of it. I'm a jealous God. My name is Elkanah. All right. So, yeah, it's very serious. You go astray after their gods, sacrifice unto their gods. And they call you and you eat of their sacrifice and you marry their daughters and you marry their sons and go after their gods. And make They make your sons go astray after their gods. You shall make no molten gods. All right. So idolatry was very serious. This is the, this is the most overt and obvious form of idolatry. There are, there are covert and subtle forms of idolatry as well that are purely of the mind and of the heart. This is overt, outright worship of other deities, other lesser beings, you could say. Um, Thoughts or questions? Did we go over? I want to make sure that we didn't skip because I know that I've preached about this a couple of times in the last couple of months, but I can't remember if we did it on the study. Does anybody remember? Should I trust Dorcas who put down notes and said we left off at 3311? (laughs) That's That's the last note I took. It says, uh, I mean, and I said, we left off, the, left off there. That's what I wrote down. So I, I wrote chapter 33, 11, left off, Shemot. 
And then the, it was, you have found grace in your sight. That's we were the just last talking thing. about the Lakot in, uh, in Shabbat, you know. Last yeah, time. I know. But I, that's why I don't want to skip it here if we haven't talked about it in this context. So I know we got here. Uh, you also talked about the part where it said, my Malak will subdue your enemies, the seven of them. When, Betsy? I, I, Last week. That's that's what I have on the page before what I had read a minute ago. My Malak will subdue your enemies, seven of them in Canaan. Okay. Well, okay. And wasn't that in 33 around where uh, Dorcas said? It looks like it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Dorcas is right, so I guess we got to go to 12. Yeah. Go, Dorcas. Go, Dorcas. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got to start making notes when we where we leave off so it doesn't happen. All right, and Moshe said unto Yahweh, See, you say unto me, bring up this people, and you have not let me know whom you will send with me. If you have said, I know you by name, you've also found grace in my sight. All right. So we, it sounds like we covered that already, is it? Mm -hmm. And I do remember that because I think we talked about Matzachen Be'necha, Matzachen Be'nai, and we talked about Noah. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. If I have found grace in your sight, show me your ways that I may know you to the end that I might find grace in your sight and consider this nation as your people. My presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. This is God talking to Moshe. <clears throat> I want to show you that. I know I talked about it on Shabbat recently, but I want to drill in on it. Vayomer. Panai Yelechu. Panai Yelechu. My face. Wow. And technically, yeah, that's a plural verb right there. Mm. That's the future tense plural. Yelechu. And I will give you grace. I will be gracious unto you. So the, the translation is not wrong. God said, my presence will go. Mm -hmm. And I will comfort you. All right. And Moshe says, "Im en panecha holachim al ta'alenu mizet." If your presence does not go, do not bring us up from here. So Moses doesn't want to go if God's not going with it, and he's talking about his divine presence, a closeness. That's the idea of the face, face to face. Sometimes doesn't mean literal, it means near. All right. So God is saying, I'm going, my presence will go with you. And how will I know whether or not I have found grace in your eyes? That's what he's saying right here. And your people, 
unless you go with us. All right. So that we are distinguished, I and your people, from all the people on the face of the earth. And we, I think we talked about that maybe on Shabbat. Niflinu. Distinguished. Anybody remember what that relates to? See who pays attention on Shabbat. Uh, let's see. Niflinu. Guess I missed that one. Oh, Father. <laughs> I've highlighted the part that should trigger the memory. Oh, see, does, does that relate to Nefesh? No. Nefesh? No, the root. I've highlighted the root. Me. Ah, ah, wonder. 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 <laughs> Ooh, okay, y'all. Yeah. All right. And the significance of that is, and it sounds like we have not done this in this study yet. Is it ringing a bell, Dorcas or Elizabeth? Because I don't think we did this. Mm -mm. Okay. So this is a what I call a linguistic hint because this is a word that is not real common, um, but God used it about himself a few times. And the word is feli. And that's what you see highlighted, feli. If it's standing by itself, it would be peli. So there would be a dagesh in there, peli. Mm -hmm. All right. We're going to go to Shemot, Exodus chapter, I'm sorry, Genesis, Bereshit, chapter 32. This is my portion. This is where you want to just glance through it. Jacob sent messengers. He was afraid. He sent gifts to Esau, Esau, his brother. He prayed to God. He asked for God to deliver him from Esau. He reminded God of the covenant that he made with him. When he's saying that that to, that I became small when I saw the, the greatness of your Mercy before he before he encounter his brother. Right. All right. He sent his family out in droves, literally. All right. He's has not met Esau yet. He rose up in the night and took his two wives, his handmaids and eleven children, and passed over the Yabok. He sent them over the stream. And he was left alone. And there's just something about being alone when you have an encounter with God. Okay. A man wrestled with him 
And it, it, even in the Hebrew, it looks like whoever this is, pick the fight with Jacob. So this is a man wrestling with Jacob. This is verse 25, just to show you that it's very literal. That's the word he wrestled. A man, Ish. A man wrestled with him. And touched the hollow of his thigh. And it was strained as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the daybreak. So this is the man who was wrestling with Jacob saying, let me go. <laughs> and Jacob says, I won't let you go unless you bless me. So what does that tell you about Jacob's understanding of who this man is? Just on a basic level, what, is he, what has he discerned from this person, this man? He has the power to bless him. And he's superior in some way mm -hmm. and has the power to bless him. Very good. And he said unto him, what is your name? So Jacob is asking that man, what is your name? And he, that man who wrestled, picked the fight with him. Oh, no. Actually, sorry. It's the angel, the messenger, whoever this man is, asking Jacob his name. And he said, Yaakov. And so that man says to Jacob, your name shall no be called no more Yaakov, but Yisrael, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. All right. So this is somebody who has the power to bless Jacob. And that somebody says, you've wrestled with God and man. Let's look at that. Verse 29. Sarita im Elohim ve'im anashim vatuchal. You have striven with God and with men, and you've overcome. You've prevailed. You are able. All right. And Yaakov asked him, tell me, I pray your name. And so this is where Jacob asked him his name. And he said, why do you ask my name? He didn't say anything else. He blessed him. But Jacob understands something about this person that he's wrestling with. He says, he called the name of the place, Pani El. What did God just tell Moshe where we were reading? Uh, my face will go with you. My presence, my face my presence. will go before you. And what is Pani El? The face of God. Yeah. The face of God. So Jacob knows that the person he wrestled with was a manifestation of the creator in the form of a man. He knows that. Everybody see that? Yep. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, he would not have named that place Peniel. For mm -hmm. I've seen God 
face to face. He wrestled with a man, but he has seen God. So, so do you think that Moshe has this, remembers this when Abba says that to him? I do think Moshe knows this, yes. That's deep. I've seen God face to face and my life is preserved. So he, this is, he discerned that at some point during the fight because he asked him to bless him, right? Mm -hmm. He asked him his name and the man said, why do you ask my name? And I believe that what the messenger is saying is, you know who I am, stupid. And Moshe, if Moshe wrote this book, then absolutely he, yeah. he remembers that. <laughs> All right. And he doesn't, the man just vanishes. We don't see, we don't see the man anymore after he says, if I'm remembering right, we don't see the man anymore after he says, Lama Zeti Shalishmi, why do you ask my name? And he blessed him there. The sun rose, he passed over Peniel and he limped on his thigh. You don't see that guy anymore. He vanishes, right? But does everybody, is everybody understand who we're talking about here in this man? Mm -hmm. Does yep. everybody understand that? Yes. It is an angelic, spiritual being, physically tangible, that is the very presence of God. It's mm -hmm. not the body of God. It's his emanation. It's a, I call it sometimes an instantiation because computer geeks know that word. <laughs> All right. I can have two instantiations of, let me just do this for the sake of analogy. What are you Look. looking at right there? What web page are you looking at right there? Uh, uh, the, 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 the word of Yahweh. Yeah, the yeah. Because we're not computer geeks. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta see. Just to make it very specific. Mm hmm. A footprint, a complete, the exact footprint of it. All right, what are we looking at now? Same thing. The same exact thing. Two different instantiations of the same thing. Mm-hmm. One in Hebrew, one in English. The English over here, the Hebrew over here, same exact website, same exact chapter, same exact verses. Look a little different, but it's the very same thing. And what you don't see is all of the code mm -hmm. that has the whole word of God behind this website. 
So what would I equate the code to in this analogy? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the DNA. Oh. <laughs> in your in your analogy, it would be Elohim. It'd be God. Representing himself in a way that he can oh, okay. that Moshe can hear from him and react to him and um yeah. Where he's understood where he can be perceived by Moshe. Yeah. Understood. All of the code, I was trying to see if I could show you the code, but I can't. There's no way I could even show you all of it at once because it lives deeper than what I can see. And I'm the guy that made this website. Are you with me? Yeah. So that's what I'm talking about. God, in this instance, in Genesis chapter 32, is still in heaven. Right? Mm -hmm. Sitting on his throne. Governing the universe. Right? Being worshipped by the, the angels. Does everybody agree with that? Yes. Yeah. All right. And yet, Jacob sees him face to face, instantiated in this man that is a spiritual being, such that he devotes a place to him and calls it and says, I've seen the face of God. I think this is something a lot of believers can't wrap their head around or haven't wrapped their head around yet. The, the person that Jacob is wrestling with is somebody very particular. All right. And it is not, it is not um, the one that Moshe said, I want to see you. And he said, you can see my glory, but you cannot see my face right. and live. And so he passed by him, but didn't allow him to actually see his face. But exactly. Yaakov sees, this individual sees the face of this being man a man well, okay yeah a man a lesser being but at the same time so this is this is god has put his authority and a measure of himself into this spiritual man-like being that we call a messenger what most people call angels god has manifested himself a measure of himself in that being and shown himself to Jacob. Jacob asked for his name. Now, let's look at, I thought we had done this before, but what the heck, we'll do it again. While you're going there, that's also um, bear witness of one of the letters in the Brie Kanashah, which says, uh, be careful who you entertain because you may be entertaining an angel. Because yeah. they can manifest themselves as a, a man. They like can a be. Man. They can look like human beings. Absolutely. Um, when when Abraham was sitting under the the Mamre, the trees at Mamre, and three men approached him, Abraham worshipped them as God. Yet he served food to them. And Lot. And Lot. Yeah, the two of them went on to see Lot, while one of them stood back and continued talking to Abraham. And the one that talked to Abraham was worshipped by Abraham and he mm -hmm. called him by his name, you know. Yep. So, yeah, so this is very important. So, Moshe went to the mount. So, just, just to set the stage, we're in Shemot, Exodus chapter 3. We already did this, I think, in this study. Mm -hmm. Let's just do a brief reminder. The messenger, the malach, the messenger 
of Yella, Malach mm-hmm. Yella, appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And again, I say it over and over. Everybody only sees the dang bush. <laughs> but it's the messenger of Yah that is in the bush that is speaking to him. Moshe asked him, who do I say you are that is sending me? What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God, God said to him. He's talking to the, the messenger, which is a man-like figure standing in the bush. And Moshe later writes, God said to Moshe, Eye asher eye, I will be whatever I will be or whoever I will be. And he said, thus shall you say unto Israel, Eye has sent me unto you. I will be has sent me unto you. And then he also said, you'll say this, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all of whom met that same messenger, Mm-hmm. has sent me unto you. This is my name forever. This is my name forever. So I want you to get this picture. That bush is indeed there, but there's a man standing in it who is divine, an instantiation, a manifestation, an emanation of God, talking face to face to Moshe, calls himself Yahweh, the sacred name of God, and is called by Moshe, the writer, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You see the, mag- the magnitude of that? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So then we go to Shoftim Judges. Did we do this last week or did we do Gideon last week? We might be repeating ourselves, but it sounds like we need to do it. Manoah, Samson's daddy. The Malach peered unto the woman. Look at it. Very specific. The Malach Yahweh. All right. Specific. Malach Yahweh appeared unto the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren. We all know the story of Samson. He has to not drink wine. He has to not cut his hair. His wife. Uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the wife tells Manoah he is the messenger of God. Do you see that? His countenance was like the countenance of the messenger of God. She understands possibly who she's talking to, right? Mm -hmm. Isha Elohim ba'alai umereu kemare malach ha'elohim, the messenger of God. That's who she believes she's talking to. All right, same guy, right? 
And she's very, she says that it, the, uh, the countenance was very terrible and she, she wouldn't ask him where he came from. She would, he was, she was very in awe of him. Yeah. She didn't, and he didn't tell her his name. She tells her husband what happened. And then Manoah prays to Yahweh. And God hearkened to his voice and the Malach of Elohim, same one she thought she saw, came to the woman again. Manoah wasn't with her. He rose and went after his wife. She came and told him, are you the man that spoke unto the woman? Are you the man that spoke unto the woman? And he said, I am. And Manoah said, what shall be done? Now look at this. The Malach Yahweh. So this is a messenger that bears the name of God, right? Yes. Manoah said to him, let us make an offering. Though you detain me, I will not. All right. Seems like we did this. Again, all the stuff that we've done over the last month is run together. So I apologize mm -hmm. if we're repeating things. Um, what is your name? So Manoah is asking this same entity that looks like a man. Remember, his wife described it as a man, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the messenger, the Malach Yahweh, said unto him, Why do you seek after my name? Same exact question that he asked Jacob. And then he answers it. See, it is my wonder. That's what God just told Moshe that the people would be. My wonder. That's good. Feli. You got it? Mm-hmm. So we go back to Shemot, chapter 33. Four. Oh, all right. We're in 33, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Oh. Uh, Daniel, which one was that before? The one that you was with my life? Judges, Judges 13. I noticed uh, Malak also referred to himself as I am. He did, but he didn't say a yay. Mm, okay. He just said ani. Ani, okay. Mm -hmm. That's important. Mm -hmm. In the English, we don't see that. That's right. All right, so. I will make you distinguished from all the people on the earth. There's our word right there. Niflinu. Distinguished. Mm -hmm. yeah, I remember Wonderful. Yeah. 
All right. And I have no doubt that it's connected to being bearing God's name. Walking in his presence is tantamount to walking in the, in his name. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, that makes wonderful counselor. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just go look at that. What is that? Isaiah nine. Uh-huh. Is it six or nine? Oh, he's getting nine, it I think it's nine, six. Yep. For a boy is born unto us, a son is given unto us. People that, Jewish people that don't know that the, the Messiah would be the son of God are obviously blinded by God because this is on the surface of the text. And the government is upon his shoulder. They know this is a messianic passage. And his name is called Pele Yoetz El Gibor Aviad Sar Shalom. Wonderful Yaakov. counselor. Huh? I was like, and Yaakov, is, that's not Yaakov's name. That's not Yaakov's name. And this is not a person born in Israel back in Isaiah's time because nobody would dare to call themselves El Gibor. Mm -hmm. That's right. All right. Mm -hmm. Or Eternal Father. Yeah. Or Prince of Peace. Pele is the beginning of it, though. Wonderful. Pele, my wonder. Mm-hmm. All right. So all of these things, I believe, are connected together. Yeah, I said in Moshe, I will do this thing also that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, show me your kavod. Kavod being glory in the sense of a manifest presence, the, the magnitude of God showing up. Okay, Kavod being kind of rooted in the concept of weight or heaviness. Okay. Now, when you say that, of course, I, th I think mist because of the temple, but it's more than mist. You know how the cloud? Oh, yeah. But it's more than just a cloud. It's way more than that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and even here, I mean, because it's, 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 you see his, his hind parts, his, you know, it's not just a cloud. It's, the, I guess, like you say, the heaviness of his presence, like, like when yeah, well, it, it, yeah, when you realize that God is a spiritual being that has tangibility. In other words, he doesn't have a beating heart and blood like we have, right? Right. But he is tangible. He's touchable. He's material, if you will, substantive, uh, whatever word best suits you. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, but emanating out of him is all of who he is as well 
we understand that to some degree because we're spiritual people. We understand that we've been in, we can sense God in other people at times. We can mm. sense, you know what I'm talking about? That sense, you know, that, that just opened that up for me because I was getting ready to ask you, like back then, like the word heavy, I don't know. I, I guess you know how when they say the room is like there's so much tension, you, if you cut it with a knife, it's so thick or whatever. And it's a saying, but it is some kind of a tension there. There's tangibility to it. Right. You can feel it. So, yeah. and I'm trying mm-hmm. to think here, like that heaviness, you know, that that heavy presence of God. And, you know, I'm just trying to imagine the feel. But when you said uh, what you said, it made it made it more sense. Yeah. Well, think about that, you, you know. You're in a room with multiple people. You may or may not even know all of them, but you can go either way. You can say you can use tension or you can use affection. Let's say you're in a room with 30 people and there's 10 people in the room since a deep affection between two of them who did nothing to intimate that affection toward the rest of the crowd. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. But because it was tangible, other people knew, right? Mm-hmm. And so multiply that by billions, and then I think we understand what, what we're talking about right here. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, like you said, tension is the easiest one because that's what we're around the most is wicked people. And you can be in a room with 50 people and everybody in the room can feel the same ickiness, same thing. Mm-hmm. It's likely because there's a spiritual presence behind it. And the uneasiness, like. Yeah. And, you know, it reminds me of when they were at the base of the mountain and, and y'all spoke to them and the heaviness and how they felt when he spoke and his presence was there. And it's like, if that was 100% tangible, you know. Yeah, and they, they were so terrified by it, they were afraid they were going to die. Yeah, that that definitely was tangible. (laughs) Yeah. And so Moshe is asking to see that all at once. Again, even more. Mm. All right. And God says, okay, I will make all of my goodness pass before you and proclaim Shem Yahweh before you. Verse 19. Ani avir. Call to thee, Alpnecha. I will make all of my goodness, all of my perfection, mm-hmm. pass in front of you before your face. And I will cry out in the name Yahweh in front of you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will be merciful to whom I will be merciful. Could we talk about that? How? Okay. So he walks, so he, he, he allows his presence to go before Moshe. I mean, his, you know, behind parts, but, uh, and he, and he speaks these words, you know, and he pronounces, he proclaims. What? Was that some kind of rite of passage? I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to ask. What what was that about? Like, why did he do that? 
Why did he do what? Pronounce all pronounce his name. Well, when we get there, we will look at that. But what he's saying here is, um, I will show grace. I will be grace or perform grace to whomever I perform grace. And I will be merciful. I will. The reason I'm saying it slightly different is because these are herbs. Mm -hmm. All right. I will be merciful. I will mercify. <laughs> we don't have an English equivalent. <laughs> mm. I will be merciful to whomever. I will be merciful. He's about to say to Moshe, I'm going to walk in front of you. And if you want to live, you got to trust me. And I'm going to show you grace. Mm. God. Mm -hmm. that wow. <laughs> that was that, 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 hit. yeah. All right. Wow. And he said, you cannot see, you are not able to look upon my face. Because a man cannot look upon my face and live. Okay. Wow. So that's why he's saying, if you trust me, <laughs> I'm going to walk in front of you, dude. <laughs> it's going to be heavy, man. It's going to be heavy. It's going to be real heavy. <laughs> An ordinary Joe might die. Yeah, and, and, and but trust me, because I'll be merciful to who I'll be merciful. I'll show grace to my God. That's lovely. Look at that. And uh -oh. only Moshe experienced that, as besides Yeshua, but only Moshe yeah. experienced that. Only Moshe. Wow. Yeah, and knowing, knowing God as well as he did, that was some big trust. Mm-hmm. Because he knew he was a just God. You got to remember, Moshe just messed up and threw the Ten Commandments down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? So he was big time trusting God that he was going to live through this episode of seeing mm. the glory. Wow. So Yahweh said, Behold, there is a place by me. And you, you guys remember this from just a couple of weeks ago in the Drosh. Mm -hmm. there is a risen one with me is how you could see that Kom being oh risen from the dead when we when you read about resurrection from the dead in hebrews chapter 6 verses 1 and 2 the word there is tekuma mibain hameti tekuma it's making a noun form out of the verb rise or risen. Puma, right? All right. And this makes a noun out of it, a masculine noun out of it, makom, a place. Mm -hmm. But it's it's also got the word for rise up, resurrection in it. There is a risen one with me. And I will establish you, Nitzavta, I will firmly plant you on the rock. And of course, you guys know because you just sat through this and you, you've known for a while that Yeshua is that rock, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. 
All right. And it will be when I pass all of my glory that I will put you in the piercing of the rock. Piercing. Wow. That's what means. Yes, cleft is appropriate. It's a good translation, but the word is rooted in pierced. And of course, Yeshua, the rock, was pierced in his side when he died. And so I see Moshe being put in the wound in Yeshua's side. So he would be safe. That's the grace and that's the mercy. That's that, exactly. That's the grace yeah. and the mercy. That's how he kept him alive. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Betsy, you get that girl? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm listening. It's, 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 a, it's a wonder. <laughs> it's a marvel. It's oh marvelous. I will put my hand upon you, cover you with my hand until I pass by. So you can see God's hand laying over Yeshua's wound and Moshe's inside of there all snug as a bug in a rug. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all right. Hasiroti et kapai, and I will remove my hand, and you will look. You will see. You can't get around that. It's right. plain Hebrew, plain and simple Hebrew. You will see at right. my back and my face. You cannot look at. All right. Mm -hmm. So God's going to walk by. God's going to pick him up. Put him in the cleft, cover him with his hand, and walk by, and he can look at my back. He can't see my face. Mm -hmm. I take all of this very literal. There's people that think I'm a simpleton, but so be it. I trust God's word more than I do men and their lofty mm -hmm. thinking and their, you know, intellect. <laughs> God is God has made this for the e Easy to understand, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. All that intellect muddies the water. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 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 All right. That's just awesome. Yes, yeah. ma'am. I mean, he's, he's standing in Yeshua as as. As 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 our father Elohim, as as Yahweh walks by, oh, that's beautiful. That's awesome. Oh my God! That's how we are able to be in the presence. Yes, of that's what I was Bingo. saying. Bingo. Oh, we should have another Simchat Torah. Let's dance around, y'all. <laughs> oh my God! We, we can do that every Shabbat. Y'all just yes, we can. Y'all acting like you're alive, huh, Tracy? Follow my lead, right? <laughs> Follow me. I should, but Tracy, I don't have no rhythm, though, honey. It doesn't matter. You don't need it. I'm off beat all the time. Well, listen to jazz, then. <laughs> Nobody gets the reference. Mm -mm. No, jazz makes me sleepy. You had to see the jerk. Oh, yeah, no. Nah, I did, but I forgot. But anyway. <laughs> all right. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. The jerk? 
The yeah. movie, a movie mm-hmm. way back when. Mark Shinola? Yeah, Steve Martin. <laughs> All right. Hey, Yabba, said unto Moshe, hew out two Lakota of stone. You got to remember, he broke the first two. Moshe mm-hmm. went up into the mountain, had been up there for 40 days, and God carved the first two tablets and wrote the Ten Devarim, the Ten Commandments, on the first two himself. He did the carving and the writing himself. Mm-hmm. But God is, Moshe broke them, so it's almost a form of punishment. I believe it's a picture of him having to circumcise his heart in a way mm. and burden himself down with doing the work of cutting those stones and carrying them up that mountain. We did do this. In this in this study? Yeah, because you talked about the cutting away of the heart. I don't know if you did that in I did that in Shabbat. Shabbat. Yeah. yeah. I'm so confused. When you said that, it made me think about <laughs> getting your Shua tell us take up your take up your stake or care or Paul. You know, when you said that about Moshe had to pick up those stones and carry them, we're told we have to carry the burdens that we have. Yeah. Until we have our Shabbat with with uh Abba. Right. Okay. Hew out two Lakota of stone like unto the first, and I showed you on Shabbat where Lukot is used to talk about the heart, the table yeah. of your heart, right. multiple yeah. times. So I do believe that this is a picture yeah. of a, a brand new heart, okay? And I, God says, Yahweh says, I will write upon the Luchot the words that were on the first Luchot, which you did break. So Moshe broke literally the covenant words that God had given him. And now God is saying, I'm, I'm going to rewrite them on the tablet that you bring to me. <laughs> All right. So think yes. about this. Yes. There is a oneness in humanity that people don't understand. Some people talk about it, but they don't get it. And this is the booth. Mm. All right. Adam was created, man was created and every human being that the world would ever see was inside of Adam. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's the first tablets. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But he broke those tablets when he sinned, because it was Adam's responsibility to make sure Adam was standing right there with Eve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was his job. God was, God told him to eat only of the tree of, of the knowledge uh, of uh, tree of life and not the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God gave that instruction to Adam. It was his responsibility. He was standing right there with Eve when he, when she took it and it was his job to stop her and give her God's instructions and he didn't do it. So he was punished with labor, labor of the field, right? Mm-hmm. Sweat of the brow to eat your food by. All right. He broke the tablets that were in every heart. And I'm stretching this a little bit. I realize, but 
we all come out of Adam, did we not? Born in sin, shaped in iniquity. Very good. Yes. We inherit the sin nature from Adam because he sinned before he before he bore one son. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're all born with that broken set of tablets. Mm-hmm. We're all born breaking the law of God. It's in our nature to break the law of God. It's in our, it's in our flesh to naturally want to break the law of God, to do things that God said not to do. It's in us because of what Adam did. And so salvation is God saying, bring me a new heart. All right. Be washed, be clean, bring me a new heart. Walk up this mountain yourself. Salvation is a is a is an event between one God and one man every single time it happens. Yes, I mean. All right. Does everybody understand what I'm trying to say? Yes. I hope you see what I'm trying to convey. Yes, sir. All right. So Moshe is having to bring these tablets back up the, the mountain, and God's going to write the commandments back on them. And I showed you this a couple of weeks ago, but this is a study that's for future people that are watching by video. So let's just look at it. Yes, sir. Actually, I want to do Ezekiel first. You told the heart, the yep. tabs of the heart, Proverbs 7 and 3, too. That's not what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. You trashed my mind. I can't hear what I was looking for now. Was he killed? About when he put he put this, his spirit in us? Yep. Um, we just yeah, you're in 36 verse something. I can't remember what verse. Uh-huh. I just looked that up. You shall. All right, 27. Here's a picture of the new covenant. A new heart will I give you. I'm in verse 26. Ezekiel 36, verse 26. A new heart also will I give you. Keep in mind that blank set of tablets. A new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my ruach within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. Mm-hmm. And you will keep my word. And says, I'm, I will probably change that from shall to will because this almost implies imperative tense and it's not imperative. Does everybody understand what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not no. a command. It's not a, it's not a formal command. It's a, it's a, it's a result. Okay. You will call you you will you if I put my spirit in you you're going to walk in my commandments. Yes, that's what he's saying. It's not thou shalt walk in my commandments because you have my spirit. No, I'm going to put my spirit in you, and now you can walk in my commands. Mm-hmm. All right, and do them. 
All right. So that is a picture. Does everybody agree that that's a picture of salvation? Yes. Oh, yes. Absolutely. That's what, a, that's what being born again is. It's having a renewed heart and having the spirit of God living inside of you. So this is God prophesying to Ezekiel the gospel. Right. And that and that so, new man is the second Adam. It is absolutely. Yeshua that we become part of through the new birth. Absolutely. We're okay. that's that's the goof. Yeah, absolutely. Goof right. means body, guys. Goof means body, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, a plurality in a oneness is what a goof is. All right. So now let's look at another prophecy about the renewed covenant. Jeremiah. Thirty-one, verse thirty-one, verse thirty. Behold, the days come, says Yahweh, that I will make a brit hadashah, renewed covenant, brit hadashah, a renewed covenant, with the house of Israel and with Beit Yehuda, with the house of Israel and Judah. Mm-hmm. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the land, the hand to bring them out of the land of Mitzrayim, because they broke my covenant, although I was a husband to them. Remember what we talked about? God is a jealous yes. God. Yes. He was a husband to them. He's jealous. So he divorced them. He told both Isaiah and Jeremiah, I'm divorcing you because of your adultery. All right. Now he's saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fix this problem. I'm gonna make a renewed covenant. So we're gonna be betrothed again. And I will put my Torah in their inward parts. And in their heart, I will write it. Mm-hmm. And I will be their Elohim and they will be my people. And they'll teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, No, Yahweh, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, says Yahweh, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin will I remember no more. Mm -hmm. Amen. It's the same thing, described a slightly different way, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you put the two of those together, Ezekiel 36, 26, and Jeremiah 31, 30 through 34, or 33, it's the same thing. The imagery is the same as the imagery that you see in, in Moses bringing those blank tablets and then coming down with a glorified face. Mm-hmm. Right? Do I need to clarify anything before I go back to Exodus? Nope. Go back to Shemot. Be ready by morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself to me on the top of the mount. No man shall come up with you. Neither let any man be seen throughout all the mount. Neither let the flocks or herds feed before the mount. 
And he hewed out two luchot, tablets of stone like to the first. And he rose up early in the morning and went up to Mount Sinai, as Yahweh had commanded him, and took in his hand the two tablets of stone, the luchot. All right. So God, Moshe is doing exactly what God said to do, and that required him being alone. This is what I was talking about. Salvation is between one man and one God, right? You can help people get there. You can guide them. You can point the way to God, but you cannot drag them into the throne room. Can't be done. You can encourage them, uh, beckon to them, but you're not the one. You can't push them into it. A person who doesn't want to go is not going to go, and God don't want them in there anyway, right? Mm -hmm. He wants them to submit just like Moses did and trust and get into that cleft, right? Yes. Hallelujah. And here it is. And Yahweh descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name Yahweh. And he passed by before him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh, El, Rahum Bechanun, Erech Apaim, Berach Chesed Emet, Notzeh Chesed Lalafim, Notzeh Avon Vafesha Bechata'a Benakeh, Lo Yenakeh Poked Avon Avot Avbanim Ve'al Bnei Vanim Al Shlashim Ve'al Rebeim. El, God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in compassion and truth, guardian of compassion unto the thousandth generation, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin and pardoning, will not, will by no means pardon the guilty, Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children, to the third and the fourth generation. So most of you know this, but up to here is called the 13 attributes. Mm -hmm. All right. We could count them out. I've done it before. I'm not going to do it. But, I mean, maybe we should, but. Okay. One, so two, with the three, four, five, six, seven. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. So it's more than just each word, right? Rachum vechanun, erech apayim, rav chesedeh met, notzeh chesed lalafim, noseh avon, vafeshah vechata'a venakeh. All of that is called the 13 attributes, and they are beautiful words, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. People that think Tertullian was the one who came along with this idea that the God of the Old Testament was mean and hateful and cruel and bitter and vengeful. And when the truth of it is, he's describing himself. Mm -hmm. And I tend mm -hmm. to believe him more than I do man. Right. Amen. Amen. Now, um, go ahead. Who was the one that came with that idea? Tertullian. Oh, Tertullian. Thank you. So the sub G. Yeah. About? 
That's about this lowered noon. This is a rabbinic tradition that in a Torah scroll, that noon should be diminished and lowered. They don't know why they do it, but it is mm. consistent in the Jewish community that in a Torah scroll, you're going to see that. All right. And that word there is notzer. And let's just look at, let's go look at something. Let's go look at two things. So keep that in mind, but also keep abundant in compassion and truth. Keep that in mind, okay? Every, everybody got it? Yeah. So we'll look at that first. I'm going to start here. This is John 1, yes. Okay. John 1. In the beginning was Hadavar, the word. And he, Hadavar, was within the form of Elohim. Haya etzel ha-Elohim. Tzel, right here, actually means shape, form, or shadow. All right, God doesn't have a shadow because he's light, right? And a shadow looks just like your form, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. So Hadavar was within the form of God. God was he, Hadavar, the word. He was within the form of Elohim in the beginning. Everything was done by his hand. Everything came to be by his hand. And that's the, that's the word. That's also God. And without him, nothing was made that had been made. Mm-hmm. That's basically what that says. In him, in him was the, the life. And the life was the light of the sons of men. Mm-hmm. And the light shined in the darkness and the darkness could not overcome it. And that, that's true today. You turn on a light in a dark room and darkness can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Right. So that's why God gave us physical light and physical darkness is to understand his kingdom versus that of the of the enemy. All you gotta do to be Hasatan is be in. The light of Messiah. Turn on the mm-hmm. light of Messiah. Invoke the light of Messiah, which is his word. Mm-hmm. All right. And all of that that we just talked about became a body 
and dwelt among us. And everybody in this call probably knows that this is Yeshua that we're talking about, right? Yes. The word became a body and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory. What are we talking about back in Exodus? His glory. Glory. Avod. A glory like that of the firstborn of Ha'av. And look at here. Mm-hmm. Rav Chesed Be'emet. Mm-hmm. Just like it described God in Exodus 34. Yeshua is not some new God part good. Right? He's the same as his father. He is in God. He's of God. He's manifested. When, when, and the whole point of all of this is when God manifested to Moshe in those lesser forms, that was Yeshua. Right? Right. Okay. I feel like I'm beating a dead horse because we've covered this so much over the last few weeks. But you got to remember, this is also being recorded for people who have never heard these things. Right. Absolutely. But, Hopefully it's helpful to you doing it again. Yes, yeah. always. Absolutely. All right. And Tracy's over here yawning, thinking I'm putting everybody to sleep. I didn't yawn. I said absolutely. Oh, you yawn. We saw you. <laughs> <laughs> Busted. Check the recording. You yawn. Because <laughs> <laughs> I am beating all this up. <laughs> Good. All right. So. When God described himself that way, the point that I'm making is that it's the same way that Christianity describes Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Full of compassion and truth and forgiving and loving. It's the same thing. Because Yeshua is completely and utterly unified with God the Father. hmm didn't he say, if you have seen that this, uh, that they said, show us the Father, speaking to Yeshua, show mm-hmm. us the Father. And he said, Philip, have you been with me for so long? You do not know if you have seen me. You have seen the Father. Exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly. Oh. Yeah. All right. If so, you take those quotations and put them right. back with you, it'll be right. Well, the website doesn't have the capability to do that, or I would have done it. Oh. Okay. Um, it, it has trouble dealing with Hebrew within English text. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, I, I, at some point, when I finish the website in about 50 years, I'll try to fix all the little glitches. <laughs> We'll, we'll we'll be in glory by then. I mean, I don't Amen. Mean, Amen. I don't mean in the grave. I mean like go down yeah. to eat him. <laughs> All right. So then you ask about the reduced G, mm-hmm. and I pointed out the suspended noon in Notzer, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So let's do two things first. Somebody go to a gadget and look up Nazarene in a Bible. Nazarene? Mm-hmm. I know, I think I know where it is, but I'm, 
I'm going to go to Nazareth first. And I don't want to hunt and peck if I don't have to. N-A-Z-A-R-E-N-E. Oh, E. Okay. Let me know. Uh, there's Matthew 2.23. He shall be called a Nazarene. All right. Keep that in mind. Don't lose that. Oh, I'm going to go here because look at it in Acts chapter 2. Men of Israel, hear these words. Yeshua Hanatsli. I don't know what it looks like in the Aramaic, but let's go look. Yes, let's go. <laughs> so I haven't done that translation yet. Let's see. It's all right. We got time till next year. Maybe. Maybe. What verse was I in? Does anybody remember? I don't remember. 23. 22. 22. 22. Not sleep. Do you see it? Yeah. Yes. All right, so let's get back to Shemot. You see it in Acts, right? So there's our suspended noon. And again, rabbis, the scribes, I should say, put that in every scroll. All right, they suspend that noon and they don't know why. Jews have customs that point to Yeshua better than things they couldn't. They, they, it, it's, it's almost like a slap in the face because they can't see it. But this is clearly the same exact word. Do you see it? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Not sleep. Nazarene. Guardian. Branch. Come down. Mm. Everybody got it? Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, it's like it's like the Afikoman at Passover. It's a later tradition that they created. Nobody in Judaism knows why they created it. There's a million, not a million, but there's several different explanations that rabbis have given as to why they do the afikoman in a three-compartment bag. They put the, a whole piece of matzah in the middle compartment. They pull it out, break it in two, bury one piece of it, put the other piece back in the bag and they hide that one piece of matzah and call it the afikoman, the dessert. And they give their kids a gift if they find the afikoman. And they can't see that that's a picture of Yeshua coming out of the father, 
dying and being buried, Miriam and the disciples go in to look for him and finding him. And when they find him, he gives them the rule of the Kodesh. It's a tradition that clearly paints a picture of Yeshua and they can't see it. Same thing here. They drop that noon and they don't know why. They don't know why they, they don't know why they do the Afikoman. And they don't know why they do this. And God is, it's like God is doing that to them and saying, I'm trying to tell you something. And same thing with Hanukkah that we're about to observe. How many candles are on a, Hanuk a Hanukkah? There's only supposed to be eight. But it happened by accident. I think in Germany, pretty sure that's where it happened, where they ordered some Jewish community ordered a bunch of Hanukkiot, Hanukkah menorahs, and they accidentally added a ninth light on it. And they said, we'll just use it because it's silver and gold. They couldn't redo it, you know. So they just incorporate a tradition of that ninth candle lighting all the other candles. And that's a picture of Yeshua giving light. Shamash. Everybody else, and they call him a servant. Right. Do you get what I'm driving at? This is a yeah. custom that clearly hints at Yeshua to me, especially when you consider that right after it, it says, or right before it, it says, abundant and compassionate and truth. Mm -hmm. And then I put guardian in our translation because that's really what I believe he's saying guardian, protector, extending is what it is in other translations, and that's true. But he's making sure, what did God just tell Moshe? Hide in the rock, and I'll show you compassion, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Hide in the rock, and the Nazarene, <laughs> the compassion of the Nazarene will be for thousands, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what you're seeing right here. And that noon is coming down to earth. <laughs> exactly. The noon, the netzer is descending to mankind, being extended. Mm -hmm. Right. So maybe I'm, you know, too deep in it, but I get excited about this. Yeah. Yep. So is it, do you, so, so is it kind of like notice this word and think about why I'm spotlighting it? And yeah, you might want to take a look at this, you mm -hmm. know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, hello. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's what I think God's doing is like, hello, I'm, I'm trying to get you to see something here. Why don't you? Yeah. you know, this may have been an accident on the rabbi's part. And they said, huh, let's just leave it. There's a bunch of these oddities in here. And I try to, if you see one of these, go over into the text and look for it because it should be there. It's just not letting me know. Okay. But it should be there. Mm -hmm. I deliberately had to put those in there. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know of another website that has done this. Okay. Uh, with the word of God. Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Let's talk about that. We've got a little bit of time left, I think. Yeah. Daniel, and that, that is the only place that that happened, that the word appeared in there? Clarify your question a little bit. Is this the only place that that, that this yeah. word appears? Yeah, appears in, in the whole uh, Tanakh. No. Um, 
we could do a search right quick and see where where else it might be. No, that's if you don't have time now, you don't need to do there's it. There's time. Uh, there's time. You talking about the word or the subscript? Uh, suspend that, that word. That word. The word. That, that word. Explain the letter. Uh -huh. Yeah, because in this but in this one that I have, it doesn't lower it. I got to see it in the Bible that I have. Uh -huh. Oh, look, I said guarding. This one actually, King James actually says keeping, so it's pretty close. Some people, some translations, I think, say extending. Yeah. So it's in there quite a bit, especially in the Psalms. Oh, in the Psalms. Yep. So there's your fun word study right there. Mm. It's all over the Psalms. Wow. It's all in the Proverbs. Doesn't okay. surprise me. Look at this. Mercy and truth combined together again. Preserve the king. Chesed ve met yitzru melech. Look at that. All right. So you're seeing that preserve and protecting is the concept of that word as well as branch or anything like that. So, yeah, it's all over the place. Mm. Thank you for showing that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about this, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin and pardon. Let's look at that. No se. No se means it's being translated as forgiven, but it actually means to lift up, to take away from. And that's exactly what God oh. does to our sin, right? Yes. Avon, which is iniquity. Fesha. Transgression. And chata, which is sin. Avon is iniquity. Who can describe iniquity to me accurately? Hmm. Um, propensity to sin. Very good. I have the translation that is a sin. No. Avon is iniquity. It's the it's just like Betsy said, it's the propensity, it's the nature of man to sin. It's that oh automatic sin mechanism in everybody in every human being. Everybody has it. All right. Sins things that we do just because we are made of flesh that go against God's word. All right. Not conscious sins. Remember how we confessed on Yom Kippur? Um, sins that I am aware of and sins that I'm not aware of? Yes. Your iniquity, we're not, most of us are not aware of our iniquity. All right. It's at a deeper level. All right. Pesha, who can give me the translation of that? 
it comes across as transgression. What does that mean? Would that be sins that we have actually done that we knew we shouldn't do? Breaking Torah. Like, uh, like, like lying and you know you're lying or taking something that you know is not true, not, not yours, um, as opposed to being greedy without realizing you are. It's a, it's a violation of the law. Yes, it is. All of those are sort of right. What I'm trying to do is draw a distinction between these three words. All right. There's a reason that God said three different things when he said he's going to lift something off of us. They all have the very, there's some overlap there. So you're not wrong. Any of you, none of you are wrong utterly. I'm just trying to get this narrowed down and help to have a deep understanding of it. So sin is the sort of the catch-all for the concept, right? Yeah. All right. And sin, chata, is defined by John, Yochanan, as transgressing the Torah, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or being outside of is actually what he says. Being outside of the Torah, okay? But, so, avon is iniquity, which I do believe is the innate nature in us to do wrong, all right? Transgression, what is that? Action of iniquity. If you think of transgression as it, it's go ahead. It is the is the act of sinning. But isn't that what this is? I'm I'm trying to see if we can develop a difference, a distinction between these two. Because there is a difference. Iniquity uh, sin and transgression are what about well okay what about not doing something that you're supposed to do a sin of omission is that in any in any case involved in the that could be what we're talking about here but to transgress uh, dissect that word in english transgress what does that mean move trans is move trans is to uh to support to like going to to transportation trans one place to another yeah. So it's almost like crossing a line, right? It's, it's like crossing the yeah. It's like crossing a line. It's it's an offense. All right. And these might be just like Betsy said, these might be those omission things that are offensive. And then these are those action things wittingly done. Right? I just want you thinking about that. We can look deeper in it. We don't have, we're out of time pretty much now. Uh, but the thing that I wanted you to see is there's more, you know, you could come along and say forgiving or lifting sin, sin, and sin. But that doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. 
So iniquity to me is the easier one to figure out because I do believe that iniquity is the sin nature. It's just who we are. It's what human beings do because Adam fell and all those commandments were broken, right? That Those tablets were destroyed in his DNA, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And then sin, we have defined by the Torah. And what you're going to find, and maybe next week this is what we'll do. Let me make a note because I will forget. Yes. I got to preach twice. Write that down. Write that down. Write that down. Doesn't it say in uh, Revelation for the iniquity of the... um, of the Chaldean, of the Amorian, it's not yet something like that. For me, iniquity is something, it's not only the nature, but it's, it's a thing that is inside, no one can see it. So it is hidden. So you might look like you're clean, but you're not inside. Well, that's what nature is. That's That's what I mean by saying the sin nature. It's the propensity to do it. It's like the motor of the other two. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So Yeshua, the reason I use nature is because Yeshua was born with God's nature inside of him. There was no motor to sin. He had to be, he had to be tempted. Mm-hmm. All right. We can be tempted, but apart from Yeshua, we're just walking around sinning. We don't care. All right? You're not thinking about your conscience is not guiding you. When you're when you're without Yeshua, utterly right, right. Not in the same way as after you're born again, and then when you sin, whoa, you feel it. Whereas before, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. But after yeah. you come to know God, then you're you're devastated when you sin. So the place where you see, or you can be, yeah. Pesha is again. You're going to see that in the Psalms quite a bit. Um, and you're going to see these three words kind of interchanged in English. Mm-hmm. You'll see Avon translated as sin sometimes. You'll see Pesha translated as sin sometimes. And that's not quite what it is. So we're going we're gonna to dive a little deeper into that next week. Questions, thoughts, comments? Miss Young. Miss Young. So, Daniel, we'll start at 34-7 next week? Yep. Okay. We got it. Anybody got any other, anything nagging them right now that we need to deal with, or are we good? Had you, to finish off your train, you had, you asked if there were any other places that we had seen that were Netzer, and there was uh, Matthew 2.23, which was just mentioning that, um, that uh, I think that Yeshua was going to have come from Nazareth. Yeah. You, that, you may have already finished what you needed with that. I did. I just wanted to make, I wasn't sure what form of that word I was going to see when I got to Acts 2, so I wanted to back up. Okay. That's all that was. Um, so, yeah, so we're going to pick up there with Netzer, I'm sorry, with Pesha next week.
And hopefully we're going to clarify a little bit better the distinction between these three words because it's a layer, they, they are very, very interrelated. Mm-hmm. And I think it has to do with the world of flesh and the devil. All right. So think mm-hmm. on that. Okay. And we'll we'll revisit that next week. Yes, sir. Otherwise, I'm going to stop the recording, but let's pray first. Avinu Malkainu, in the name of your son, Yahweh Yeshua Mashiach, we do give thanks for all of your blessings. We thank you for this study. We ask you to correct our error and uh, guide us into your truth and your truth alone and help us to glorify your son, Yeshua, in this dark world and clarify for people how to find the light that it is in Messiah Yeshua and to walk in truth. And we ask you to bless our efforts here, and we thank you for this this camaraderie and fellowship that we have in your word. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to listen to this week's Torah study class. In the description, you'll find all the links to our website and social media content. Please make sure you're subscribed to our podcast, as we can be found on all major podcast platforms. If you feel compelled to support this ministry, please feel free to do so by donating via the Get the Word Out link in the description. All proceeds go toward growing this platform and the Mikdash Mayat ministry. Until the next time, we pray God blesses you with shalom in the name of Yahweh Yeshua Mashiach.